0: Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. A lot of times what
1: you're not seeing is if you raise the rent, let's just say 20 bucks a month, um, you've got an annual rent increase of about $24,000. If you've got a building that's sitting at a five cap, you're increasing your property value by about $480,000. So then you minus your software costs, which is usually about five bucks a month. Let's say it's on 100 units, that's $6,000. So your total annual, or not annual, but your total net property value increase is somewhere around $474,000.
2: Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors, welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to invest like a pro. We've got a great guest today, a man named Kyle Finney, and he's the business development manager with a company called Arise. He focuses on bringing with him passion for emerging technologies in real estate, and his goal is to help properties stand out to increase revenue and attract and retain tenants. So I'm really excited to have you today, Kyle, because I think prop tech is just such, it's just such a thing to talk about right now. There's so many options available. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of folks I hear from when I say prop tech, you know, owners still say, you know, what, what's that? (laughs) Um, And so I think it's great to just get everybody educated on, on what's going on in the market and what are all these things that are available to people to, to increase their returns so really excited to dig into that today. And so let's start at the beginning though Kyle. Why don't you just just give us a background and, and tell us how you how you ended up uh where you're at.
1: All right. So thank you for that introduction. Um excited to be here. Uh so I got my start in technology uh maybe about 6 or 7 years ago. I've always worked in marketing and sales so I've worked with a lot of um commercial real estate companies uh whether it's um, brokers, broker owners, whoever it was, uh, helping them drive uh, different initiatives and adopt new technology, whether it's for marketing properties or finding ways to add value through adding different things to their properties, such as like motion detectors and things like that. But I got into the technology side with a DevOps company. So it's all software development. Um, and I did business development for that company in Vegas before moving out to Arizona. And when I moved out of here, I, I was like, all right, I really want to get back into the tech side of things, but in an emerging market. And so I started doing research, uh, came across smart apartment technology. Um, obviously, multifamily is booming all over the country. Phoenix is a very hot market for multifamily investment. And so I said, well, how do I capitalize um, in addition to the real estate side of it? How do I capitalize further? And so that's what really got me interested in the technology in multifamily. So... That's how I got there.
2: No, very, very cool, man. Very cool, yeah. and so, so like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I I talk to people and and we talk about maybe some of the things that we're doing in our own portfolio and, and mention prop tech, and they say, well, "What's that? What what does that mean?" So, mm-hmm. so when we're talking about this, frame this up for everybody. What are we talking about?
1: Uh, so, prop tech is any technology that you're adding to a property. Uh, it's just that prop tech. You can add it for a number of different reasons. We see a lot of people from the investment side adding it to increase uh, property value. Um, There's a lot of things that you don't really. um, A lot of investors haven't been exposed to just yet. Where adding something like smart locks may have a really low capex cost, but in terms of what it can do for your property value, it can be pretty exponential. I mean, on a fifty thousand dollar investment, you could easily raise your property value by a hundred grand, maybe two hundred grand, depending on what you're working with. Um, so it's an interesting play. But on top of that, we're seeing more and more properties um, and owners putting technology onto their properties because tenants are demanding it. And so the idea of PropTech is to just stay with the market and just meet the market's demands for what's expected inside of an apartment.
2: I gotcha. I gotcha. No, that's a helpful overview. So so we talked about smart locks. What what are some of the other technologies that that you're seeing folks implement?
1: So there's actually quite a bit. I mean, depending on where you're at regionally, um, like, for example, in New York, a lot of the uh, luxury class A apartments, they're doing things like automated beds that come down from the ceiling. They're doing things like um, hideaway offices um, where a living room opens up to reveal an office type thing. So that's on the really high end side of things. On the other side of things, um you have things like obviously you have Alexa, so any type of home automation where you can speak to it that's also interconnected with lighting controls, thermostats, things like water leak detectors, smart locks um so I'd say you know some of the big biggest things that everyone is seeing right now would be the smart locks, the smoke detectors, um lighting control th- uh, temperature control um, would be the main the main ones right now. Have you seen any have you implemented anything on your properties right now yeah, so
2: you know, we've been, I've been kind of going down this rabbit hole for, for the past four or five months of just trying to go through the process of starting and like understanding what you just described, like what's out there and, and the landscape and all the different folks that are providing these services. And there's a lot, right? Yeah. And so what we've really targeted um, as first and foremost, most important is access control. So that really starts with the, with the smart locks. So the ability to allow us to control access to the property, both from, I mean from a leasing standpoint, as you have folks coming in and being able to do self-guided tours, from a maintenance standpoint, to be able to allow contractors in and out of an apartment remotely, and, and just and from a management standpoint, just allowing management to have control of the property where they can sit you know they can be sitting on the beach with an app and, and control access to the property. So, so that's where we started. 'Cause that's where we felt you know the most value, immediate value would be. And then and then from there we really are looking about looking in through this, the first use case has really been around the, the leasing process. And how do you take it from how do you have a no-touch lease? Right. So how do you have somebody come in, you know, usually through like like a digital portal, like a website, right? Be able to interact with, with an AI chat bot be able to set up either view a virtual tour right there or set up a self-guided tour where someone can actually set an appointment and come in and tour a property through an app without ever having to physically contact anyone. And, and it can take them to fitness centers, the pool. And as you go through those individual things on the app, stuff's popping up to tell them about those different areas. And then moving that all the way into the the virtual lease. So you can sign up for a lease and do background checks and things. Mm -hmm. right there on the spot. And so that's really our first use case is taking that from start to finish, but it's just been a a, a tremendous learning experience and something I think is going to provide amazing value for our portfolio, you know, from a resident standpoint, but management efficiency and just, um, you know, increasing the overall value of the property. I think you're, you're kind of future proofing your property by starting to do these things. And And like you said, it's starting to become expectation uh, more and more. And so what are, I mean, obviously it varies with with different classes. I focus mainly on class B and C properties, but what are you seeing as you mentioned tenant expectation? I mean, what are tenants expecting at this point in time, or what do you expect them to, what do you expect
1: they will be expecting, you know, over the next year? Yeah. So we, what we see as far as multifamily trends and then what, residents are expecting is we see a trickle-down effect. So class A properties, they'll start implementing on things like smart home tech. And as more and more communities offer that, that'll kind of trickle down to the class B and Class C properties. So in terms of what we're seeing, you're seeing a lot of smart locks, that's the biggest thing. And then the smart thermostats and lighting control. And those are because they're they're more cost effective to implement and they pre- they uh, produce the best NOI. So from the property management standpoint, you have individual operators on these class B and C properties that may suggest this to the owner of, Hey, we can increase our NOI by you know, doing it, changing out the light bulbs for smart bulbs and then connecting it to a smart plug and giving the residents the option to you know, control those things from their phone. So we're expecting smart locks to be, to replace traditional locks with, you know, within the next three to five years let's say within the next year, I mean, lighting control and thermostats are going to be something that, you know, many, many, if not all units have, um, no matter what the class is.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. No, really interesting. And I know that Arise, you know, I know that those are some of the things that you guys are, are implementing and working with folks on. Mm-hmm. What's the ROI? What's the return that, that investors can expect from doing some of these things? I and mean, what, like, give us a ballpark.
1: So for example, I'll just give you an example of what we see on average. So our standard package, quote unquote, would be about four to 500 bucks, right? So you implement that, that includes water leak detectors, smart lock, uh, motion sensors, entryway sensors, and a a hub that connects all of those things. So with an investment on that, let's say it's 500 bucks. Um, you know, you're looking at about $50,000 or, I guess with installation, you could be about $58,000 in capex, and you could expect to see a return on that within two years. So after that, the thing is, and I hope we get into this later on in the conversation, but in terms of net property value increase, and I hit on this a little bit earlier, a lot of times what you're not seeing is if you raise the rent, let's just say 20 bucks a month, Mm -hmm. um, you've got an annual rent increase of about $24,000. If you've got a building that's sitting at a five cap, increasing your property value by about $480,000. So then you minus your software costs, which is usually about 5 bucks a month. Let's say it's on 100 units, that's $6,000, so your total annual or not annual, but your total net property value increase is somewhere around $474,000 just Good by time. implementing a few smart home technology devices and you know at such a low capex, it's like a, it's a great return. Then annually you could be expecting to after you break even on twenty bucks a month, uh, rent increase, you can expect to bring in about eighteen thousand dollars a year and profit from that.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, so that sounds like a no-brainer, right? That's a yeah. great return on investment. It really is. And so, it, you mentioned twenty dollars rent increase. Is that what you've seen operators
1: be able to achieve? That's yeah. That's on the low end. We, we've seen operators and owners increase between thirty and sixty dollars a month. Um, just depending on where they're at in the market, um, if if they can. So Phoenix is a big one for that. Just from implementing the smart locks
2: and the that, thermostats, that, yeah. and yeah, okay, yeah. gotcha, yeah. Mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a, you know, I saw a similar study from uh, National Multifamily Housing Council where where they had. Uh, Done a survey of residents and, and I think they had they had come out to an expected rent increase of about $25 to $35 per month from installing uh, I think it was really focused on smart locks at that point. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean it kind of plays out there. And you guys are actually seeing the proof of the pudding in your clients. So that's really that's are. really, really interesting. I mean, there's huge value there for any investor. And I think this is this is really scalable too, right? Like we we started by implementing on a 30-unit property. We're going to be implementing on a hundred and ten unit property, and then we're going to a seven hundred fifty unit property. So it's it's yeah. something that I mean, even going down from thirty units, right? I mean, if you had a ten unit, a twelve unit, I mean, hell, if you if you had a four mm-hmm. unit, like the ROI is still going to be there. So I think as investors, this is something you definitely need to be looking into. Even if at a minimum, it, it's just the smart locks and the access control. And imagine being able to let your maintenance guy if you're if you're managing your own property, you able to let your maintenance guy in and out. Or a plumber that needs to get in there I mean, without having to physically be on the property or being able to show the property without physically having to be there. I think that's a huge time savings as well as, uh, as cost.
1: Yeah, you get big operational efficiencies uh, in terms of maintenance. I mean, we talk to maintenance supervisors a lot, and that's a big thing. Even having to rekey, first of all, that takes time and it costs money to rekey a unit. So when you have a smart lock on there and all you got to do is hop into the app and change the master code, it takes a minute maybe to do, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're able to integrate that into your property management software and just turn leases over as they come and automate that process, you're saving a lot of time and money on that. One thing that I do want to hit on also is just being the proactive about your properties versus reactive in terms of damages. So things like smart smoke detectors and smart water leak detectors, Mm -hmm. those are going to be preventative things that cost almost nothing to run. I mean, you're talking about like 17 cents a day. It's five bucks a month to run those things. And if you have like a water leak detector that detects water or moisture somewhere that it shouldn't be right away, um, instead of those things going unnoticed, you might save tens of thousands of dollars down the line and you're being, you're being proactive about it. So when it comes, you're not like, oh, crap, what do I do? Um, mm-hmm. Get ahead of it. So mm-hmm. even on that, I mean, in terms of eating away at your profits, you can mitigate that quite a bit by implementing something so simple.
2: Interesting. Interesting. And is there an insurance savings? in implementing products like that? Have you guys done any research there?
1: So we have done some research. It is a long and tedious process to get integrated with insurance to actually have a discount on your insurance by implementing these things, but it is something that we're looking into. Gotcha, okay.
2: I mean, it's not an uncommon situation where you have a a leak under the sink that the tenant doesn't tell you about for a month. And at that point it's become a serious problem right where you' are talking
1: mold remediation, you may have to break drywall I and mean, there's a lot to it so and so just to be
2: specific for folks, so you guys have a, it's a sensor that would like sit under the sink and, and as it gets wet it's sending out a signal
1: yeah, so it the uh, we operate on real time alerts, so these sensors they can be placed behind toilets um, under the sinks in the bathroom, under the kitchen sink in the laundry room, anywhere where there's prone to be a water leak um, you can mm-hmm. even put them in you know, piping structures and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, so as soon as those little sensors, there's two little prongs that sit, you know, just millimeters above the floor or wherever you're going to put it. As soon as it detects water, both the tenant and the property manager gets an alert that there's moisture. It'll let them know on the property management side, it'll let them know what unit, unit it's in, what time it happened. And so, you know, they can either call the tenant right away, the tenant can call the PM, whatever that looks like, and they can go take a look at what that water leak actually looks like and you know fix it
2: if it needs to be fixed yeah no really good really good i think that that's uh that's a great application as far as being able to just just maintain expenses on the property right and and, and remediate some of those big unforeseen hits that that will uh kill your investment so to give you an example
1: uh one of our clients is a top developer um in the us and over the last three years they've spent about 1.5 million on water damages alone. So, when we started talking to them about water leaks and water leak detectors and implementing those, it it was a no brainer. And Mm so, yeah, not obviously not every property is going to experience that, but even the smallest water leak, you know, if it puts you out $10,000, that could still be a big hit.
2: Sure. Yeah. You have a a water heater go out, and uh, that can be a big expense. Mm hmm. Yeah, very cool. So, I, I appreciate the overview. I mean, it sounds like there there's all types of of applications of this technology. There's the space is really exploding. Talk to me about Arise specifically. You know, what are you guys working on within this space? You know, tell us about your products. Kind of what what's your
1: value prop that you can share? So we have two avenues. One of them is on the property management side. So. we have a property management app that allows um, PMs to view every property that they manage, view all the devices that they have connected, and then they get real-time notifications of anything that's going on within a property. So that is to increase operational efficiencies and also increase NOI um, for their properties. So any rent that they're collecting, if you have a rent increase on that, obviously, they're netting more operating income. And so on the investment side, you know, it's just all about increasing property value. So, depending on what your game plan is, if you plan to add these smart home devices into your renovation plans and you want to hold for three to five, seven years or whatever, you can expect that net property value increase. So, when you go to sell, you're in a much better position. We have the, the smart water leak detectors, like we talked about, um, we have the smoke detectors, uh, the smart locks, and uh, entry and motion sensors. So, that's kind of our bread and butter. Um, and we found that you know, it's the best bank for the buck as well. So from the investment side, you're going to have that low CapEx and be able to really, really see some big returns.
2: Interesting. Yeah. And I think the ROI is really important to understand because this is something that, you know, most likely you're going to raise additional capital for, right? It's going to be additional capital expense and there's got to be a return there, but sounds like those numbers are very compelling. And, you know, something that, that we've looked at, uh, even going a step further is actually, you know, how do you finance this hardware? So we we've looked at it with partners, you know, doing a capital lease for the hardware to not actually have to raise it up front, which just it sends your returns through the roof. Um, and it's become just a uh, it's become a pillar for some of the deals that we're doing to increase the uh, the ROI above in, anywhere you'd be able to get without. Implementing technology like this um, Mm -hmm. and and having a financing structure and partner like that, so I think that's something that's really interesting to look into as well. Is you know how do you start to finance some of these other capital items um, as an investor to just continue to to improve your return? So, question for you uh, about the future. So we kind of we know where we are now. A lot of this is focused. You know we're focused on getting these smart things in into the apartments, but where does property tech where do we go from here, and what what's the next wave? what should people be looking out for? or how does it all come together maybe
1: I think uh interconnectivity, I think eventually you know more and more people are finding that convenience within their home is becoming a bigger thing as everyone's staying at home more um so I think just being able to control um, anything from your from your smartphone or from a tablet, no matter if it's um, you know turning your TV on by asking Alexa or whatnot, I think um looking to the future. I'd say um, we're going to see lighting control will be something that's implemented everywhere. Automated thermostats, I think that'll be something. I mean, it's there's a bit of a learning curve, but once you get into it and once you're exposed to it, you'll start to realize like, oh, okay, I want my temperature at this time in the morning, but this time in the afternoon and so on. And then I think uh, access control is going to be a big thing. Um, it's a big deal right now. I mean, even just being able to... Have people come over, shoot them an access code for one-time use. They can enter without you having to like go out and open a gate or something for them. Is a big thing. Uh, Aside from that, I I love all of the uh, the crazy things that the property owners in New York are doing. Um, There's a lot of innovative things going on in terms of what you can do with a smaller uh, footprint of of Mm -hmm. apartment space. Mm -hmm. You know, so the New York Times just put out an article recently uh, about some of those things, and I just thought it was really fascinating.
2: Yeah. No, that, that's really interesting stuff. As, as I was thinking about this, I mean, obviously this this technology is like live, living with you in your home mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, there's got to be some security concerns there around privacy for one, right? I mean, how do we mitigate those concerns? How do we make sure that, that we're maintaining privacy with having all this technology that's keeping track of you and what you're doing?
1: That's a great question. So yeah, it is a huge concern. I'll speak to what we do and the reasons sure. why we do it. So we thought about doing cameras and eventually we might still do that. Um, we are going to do a doorbell cam. But our, what we started to do as far as security has been the motion sensors and then the entry sensors. And the reason why is because motion sensors don't give tenants a feeling that their privacy is being invaded. So you, know, you can essentially put them anywhere. If you put them in common areas, like say a lot of clubhouses are not operating right now um, because of COVID... So, you know, it it behooves property management to know if people are going in and out of there or not. So with the motion sensor, it'll pick up humans that pass by. It won't pick up animals or debris that goes by. Um, And then they can, if they have security, have the app on their phone, they get alerted, security can then go over there. So it's a better use of time as opposed to having someone just patrolling, walking around, you know, for 12 hours a night. And then the entryway sensors. So you put them on windows, um, you will get notifications if a window's been open past a certain amount of time, if a door's been open past a certain amount of time. So that's how we've kind of got around the security issues for in-unit amenities um, in mm-hmm. common areas. On the data side, so that's obviously a huge one. You hear about big tech firms getting data breached all the time. Sure. Um, yeah. So we use uh, bank-level encryption on everything that we do. From the investor side, if you're dealing with the vendor, I would always ask them how they're managing your data. Um, You have a right to know and you have a right to know what best practices they're implementing. You know, you want to know what cloud service they're using to store and manage your data. Um, If they use end-to-end encryption, that's going to be very important. And so just do your due diligence in dealing with any vendor that you're going to, are you thinking about using for your properties?
2: Yeah. And I really appreciate that. uh, Given some advice on what to ask uh, vendors as as you're vetting these out, because I mean, that was a big process for us was just this, uh, the process of kind of understanding the landscape, all the vendors out there and then trying to go through and, uh, and assess uh, the, you know, what each one's bringing and, and what each one's using. And so what are, what are other questions like that that as, as we're assessing these technologies, we should be asking?
1: Ask about warranties and connectivity issues. Okay, so Arise, we manufacture our own devices and we develop the software in-house. So in terms of connectivity, we never have to deal with third parties. Um, So if there's ever issues, we usually know exactly what that issue is. Or if you have a question, you can call us, you know who to call. In dealing with third-party vendors, say you have a Nest thermostat, but then you're using Alexa and then you're using like uh, GE for light bulbs. You're using all these different vendors, right? And so in terms of connectivity, you're bound to have issues at some point because you're relaying one information that's built on a software platform that's communicating with another device that's set up on a different software platform and you know this is all communicating over your Wi-Fi signal and things can get interrupted. Um, so always ask, hey, what kind of connectivity issues can I expect? Um, I'd say mm-hmm. that's a big one. Also warranties, you know, who do I reach out to uh, to deal with the warranty? Because a lot of times third party vendors that are selling you these devices, they won't cover it. So you have to make sure that you have the right contact info and you know what kind of warranty you're getting with each device that you have, yeah. um, which is very important. Um, on yep. top of that, I'd say, you know, battery life is always a good question for each device. Are things battery operated or are they powered in? That's a big one. And then also, you know, how often is the software updated? Because you don't want to be operating something that's obsolete. Because if you implement something like a thermostat and that's operating on a different system than say your lighting controls, then if it's trying to communicate to the single hub, well, that hub may only, may do updates. So if you don't have, if you have a product that hasn't been updated, it's gonna have connectivity issues. So that's a long-winded yeah. and answer.
2: <laughs> no, man, th- those are good. So, so things you need to be asking about or, or vetting uh, it, in your requirements for these, these uh, products, right? Connectivity, warranty, security, the battery life and updates. I think that, mm-hmm. that that's a good list of the place to start. And and that was one thing I'll just share as a lesson learned from us is, you know, it can be a daunting process to to go through and, and decide what uh, one kind of which types of technology should you be looking at, where should you start, um, and then which which vendors should you use and which who should you partner with. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to start with your requirements first, and that really helped us stay. I think efficient with our time and, and be really intentional is understanding, okay, what are our requirements? What do we need? Things that you could talk about connectivity, the warranty, the security, right. And, mm-hmm. and have those down and have like a grid that you can evaluate each vendor on and, and then make it more of an objective approach uh, versus something that's okay. subjective because it can be, if you're trying to compare five, 10 different, different products, it can be kind of a daunting task. So, so that, that's my tip of, of something that helped us get through the process. so, Just another question, kind of as we were thinking about this, talk about connectivity. I mean, what what's the infrastructure that sits behind all of this? Like, like what is it? What's the technology that that we're operating on? I think you mentioned Wi-Fi, but are there other technologies that that you're using as well? Give us a little bit of an overview there, and like maybe pros and cons.
1: So we might get a little technical here, but that's okay. I'll explain everything. So. Like most of the world, we operate on AWS, Amazon Web Services, so everything like Netflix, um, a lot of websites, eBay, they, uh, they operate on AWS, which is just a cloud infrastructure. And so when we get into connectivity and security, um, the security side is going to be important to understand in terms of uh, having cloud-based servers. So when you're using bank-level encryption, they're building these things um, just all with cybersecurity protocols. Uh, on the connectivity side, so our hub, which connects all the devices and communicates with AWS, it's set up on a Zigbee protocol. Um so it's a stronger connection than Wi-Fi. And that that protocol is just communicating between devices. So if you have, say, I don't know, a smart lock and then you have your hub inside, you you don't have to operate on the Wi-Fi signal because Zigbee the Zigbee wave, I guess, if you think about it as radio waves, it's going to be able to travel through like through walls and and refrigerators and other electronic devices much easier than a Wi-Fi signal. And so you'll find that with uh, Wi-Fi signals, you know, you see Wi-Fi repeaters or smart plugs that act as Wi-Fi extenders um, because Wi-Fi signals they're, they're not that strong. And so I always say t- to people, you know. If you can find devices that do operate on the Zigbee protocol, that's going to be your best bet. Um, Your your next best would be uh, what's called the Z-Wave protocol. Um, It's not as strong, but it is more compatible with more devices. So you'll find a lot of third-party vendors using their hubs and devices operating on a Z-Wave protocol. I hope that made some sort of sense.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's essentially just... Different types of, I mean, it's different strengths
1: of signal, basically. Yeah, different
2: signals, similar to like we're all used to Wi-Fi, right? But yeah. there, there's different kinds. There's Wi-Fi, yeah, exactly. there's Zigbee, there's Z-Wave, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, very, very good. I think, I think that makes sense. Um, and how about Bluetooth? I mean, because some of the things that we've we've looked at and uh, operate on on Bluetooth, and so kind of avoid having that net- network in place.
1: Yeah, so I mean, with Bluetooth, it's all going to come down to what your device is actually connecting to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're going to use Bluetooth to connect to some devices, like say your Amazon Alexa. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, that'll that'll pull um, information from the web via your Wi-Fi signal, but then it's going to communicate to your phone through Bluetooth mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. So, I mean, depending on what device that you have set up. Yeah, you might have the option to do Bluetooth or it'll just be all connected via the, your Wi-Fi connection.
2: Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Well yeah, no, I think that's uh that's that's very detailed, but I think a good thing to understand. I mean, just what what type of I don't know what you call that protocol or, or yeah, connectivity protocol. that uh that the thing is sitting on really does have a big impact on you know, the, the connectivity and, and the other the other thing is like the uptime of these things, right? Because if you have things oh, sitting yeah. on the network, you're going to have downtime. If you have things on your property that are always, you know, quote unquote, offline, then you're really eliminating all the value, right? Because you're having to have maintenance guys go out, check them, reset them, figure this stuff out. Yeah. So I think that protocol is, is very important.
1: And that's the other thing that I'll touch on briefly is um, in dealing with if you have... Five different devices from five different manufacturers. That's five different potential risks for having downtime on, mm-hmm. on your devices. So, like you said, I mean, if one goes down, then it's kind of pointless having it, you know, and when you have, when you have so many, so many devices that have the opportunity to go offline, you're kind of putting yourself in a, in a bind, um, or a potential, a potential bind. Uh, Versus going with a a company that does manufacture and develop both hardware and software in house, you don't have to worry about that kind of downtime. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that that makes a ton of sense. I mean, there's different approaches, right? There's kind of the, you guys are like the the single source, single provider model and and you're Mm -hmm. bringing it all together. And there's benefits that everything connects and talks and it's built to connect and talk to each other, right? Mm -hmm. There's another approach that's kind of more of like a best in breed approach where you're kind of, looking at the, and this is more the, the path that we took as we were approaching it, you know, but just looking at, you know, who's the best in class kind of for each product and then making sure the important thing that they all connect. Right. Yes. And then, yeah. and then that really requires kind of a, uh, a middleware to kind of sit over that and allow those to all integrate. So you can have that, that one app experience, right. Cause you don't want to have, if you take that approach, you don't want to have, you know, your tenant having to open up one app for,
0: Thermostats, wow. one, up gotcha. lights, one up for
2: lights, one out for locks. Um, that's just not a good experience, right? Um, mm-hmm. so, you, so, you need to think about things like that. But there's different approaches, I think, to get to get to the same place. And again, it just depends on your requirements uh, and your goals. This has been really good content. It's been a little bit different than than a lot of the other shows that yeah, I've done, yeah. but but I thought really important because you know technology plays such a large role in our our day to day lives. It can play such a large role in our investing. I mean, and that's why I kind of bringing this to the highlight, because I personally believe that technology is completely changing uh, the multifamily investing game. And I think if you're not leaning into it, you're going to be left behind quickly. I think even, even when I started a lot of this research a few months ago, thinking that, man, we're really going to be ahead of the curve and realizing how much really is in place already and how some operators are really, really taking advantage of this to do some cool things and realizing, wow, like, like we we need to get on the ball and get caught up. So so we put together a tech committee now. We're focused on it, and um, we're putting our plans together for 2021 to really be a tech enabled firm. But it's something that if you, if you don't if you don't get on it, I feel like as an investor you're just leaving dollars on the table. Oh yeah. And so and and a lot of the folks that are listeners are are passive investors, right? They're folks that are investing in in other people's deals. So what I would say for you all is. You know, if you're working with a sponsor who's not thinking about technology, then you're not getting the return that you could be getting. So I think that needs to become part of your vetting process. What technologies are you using? Taking some of this great info that Kyle shared to, to know some of the pitfalls, right? Like what, what technology are they using? How do they connect? How do they talk um, are really important. But just I think just even asking that question of like, what property tech are you implementing? Mm -hmm. Uh, And how are you using that to drive value back to your investors is really critical. So really, really good info, Kyle. Appreciate that today. Um, As we wrap things up, I want to get into our keys to success round. Uh, Just short, four short questions. First one, what is the one question that, that investor should be asking, should be asking their deal sponsor or about a deal that they're evaluating themselves?
1: I definitely ask, you know, what prop tech, like you just said, what prop tech are you guys implementing? Or what have you been looking into? Or do you plan to implement this? Because I've talked to other investors that are implementing these things. And there are dollars left on the table, if you're not um, implementing smart tech. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I'd say that's a, a big question there.
2: Yeah. And I think that just goes, that's a great point. It goes back to the importance too of, I try to communicate on the show of like, as investors, we have to do our homework. And this, this show is part of doing that homework, right? It's like, you have to be educated on what's out in the market and you can't just rely on the sponsors to do that for you, right? You, you need to know what's out there so that you can be making the right decisions. Mm -hmm. So Kyle, what are you most proud of in your career?
1: Oh, I'd say having... This is it's actually totally outside of um, the realm of smart apartment tech, but I've started a marketing company and I sold that several years ago. And so that was uh, my biggest achievement. Working on an exit strategy um, to create passive income for myself after I left the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a learning process for me. It's the first time i would ever done that. And it's my most prized accomplishment to date.
2: That's great. You hit the magic word, passive income. So I love hearing that. Mm -hmm. What book should everybody be reading?
1: Uh, One of my favorites um, has been uh, Originals by Adam Grant. Okay. So I don't know if you've, if you've heard of it. I Uh, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. So Adam Grant, he, he spent a big chunk of his life uh, studying people that have pioneered what they do for their industries um, mm-hmm. so he's followed the story of, uh, like Warby Parker. I don't know if you know that they're the online glasses company that yeah. took this business model of selling shoes and applied it to eyeglasses. Um, and within their first year, they had a billion dollar valuation. They were up there with Nike and all these other big companies as a startup. Um, so he follows paths of people like that, that have, that have achieved some huge level of success, mm-hmm. um, through an original idea, you know, through dissenting opinions. Um, no matter if they're working for companies or starting it themselves. And I think it's really interesting to, to hear that because as multifamily investors, you're doing something that not a lot of people, you know, the average person is doing. And yeah. it takes a lot of grit, you know, you got to grind um, and do a lot of homework and research and, and be able to make those decisions that not a lot of people are willing to make.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I love how you brought that back. And I'll definitely have to check out that book. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Last but not least, what is your number one key to success?
1: I'd say consistency. Um, Mm -hmm. I think with anything in life, you don't achieve any results unless you're consistent with it. So no matter how you're feeling about how a day is going or how a week is going or how a month is going, as long as you are taking your steps every single day to reach your goal, you're going to hit some level of success. Um, And so I'd say my key is consistency.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So much of life is just showing up, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so true, but yeah, just consistency over and over. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for bringing so much education and value today, Kyle. I think, uh, our audience just had a jam packed session and so much, so much good info. I think people are gonna have to go back and listen a couple of times and make sure they're <laughs> absorbing it all, but, but Hey, that that's okay. That's, that's awesome. Last but not least, how can folks get, get a hold of you? How can they check out Arise? rise?
1: So I'd say start by checking out um, arisehub.com. That's so arisehub.com. Uh, if you need to get in touch with me, it's just kyle.finney at arisehub.com. Uh, with any questions, comments, concerns, whatever it might be, I'm always open to, to responding that way and at least getting introduced that way.
2: Cool. Go out and check out Kyle and, and check out Arise and all the cool stuff they're doing in PropTech and see how that can add value to your properties. So Kyle, thank you so much today. and. Hope you have a great rest of the week, man.
1: All right, Ken. I really appreciate you having me on and I look forward to future communication.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.